You are so excited for this I'm episode, so, and I'm dreading it with, like, know, every fiber of my being. I'm excited when we get to talk about hard things. Like penises? No. <laughs> I don't like talking about those hard things. Nope. Just strap-ons. Hard. Sure. Hard. Yep. I, I like how this is a trigger warning episode, and we're starting by talking about Let's penises and strap-ons, as you do naturally when talking about heavy subject material. Yes. Um, so I'm sure at this point all of you have seen the trigger warning for this particular episode, and yes, we are going to be diving into eating disorders a little bit, yeah. so um, I would just kind of like to preface this by saying, if you are uncomfortable or if this is going to trigger you, please don't, turn away now. Don't do it. Because this will be discussing not just one facet of mm-hmm. eating disorders, but a couple of Many. different facets. So I don't want you thinking, oh, they're just talking about anorexia. So it's fine. I've never had that problem. Because if we jump to another eating disorder, I don't want you to be surprised and yeah. be like, oh my God, I yeah. thought I was going to be okay, but now they yeah. changed subjects. So just, we're covering a range of stuff here. So just please be forewarned. Yes. Oh, I don't even know where to start because unfortunately... The eating disorder side of things is my side. Yeah. Uh, do you even have experience with eating disorders as a um, dancer specifically? I have a lot more experiences with body image and um, uh, I have some trauma around eating, but it's not necessarily eating disorder. Yeah. So it's not too bad. I mean, I've had some times where like, you know, if I'm, uh, I've never had a uh, disordered eating around eating specifically it's always a symptom of something else and yeah I feel like that that's what most eating disorders are Mm -hmm. is they're triggered by outside um forces you know what I mean I uh, maybe that's just me pushing it off I don't know so what was the first time you've ever felt like that well, the trouble is that my history of eating disorders goes so far back that I actually can't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've kind of mentioned in a previous episode, I'm pretty sure, that when I was very little, um, I actually nearly died mm-hmm. from anorexia mm-hmm. when I was about four years old. Um, I have every intention of bringing my mom onto the podcast yeah. to actually discuss that at some point because I feel like that is... A hard subject to cover, and, you know, if there's anyone out there that needs to hear some of this story from a mother's perspective, I feel like it would be very good. Mm -hmm. But, um, obviously, I don't remember very much of it. However, um, it has created a lot of trauma in my life. Everything Mm -hmm. from my current eating disorders to um, even my fear of needles actually Mm -hmm. goes back to this period in time. It was a very traumatic thing. Mm -hmm. Um... Essentially, from what we can figure out, because, again, unfortunately, I did not probably get the therapy I needed at the yeah. time, but I, I was four, right? Yeah. So I guess there was this, because obviously this was in about the 2000s-ish, yeah. there was still that sort of mentality where it's like, oh, she's a kid, she'll recover from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I probably did not get the therapy I needed, and I think it has kind of left me off where I am to this yeah. day. But to be fair, there are also other outside factors in yeah. this whole story. Um So from what we can figure out from what happened, um, I had been going to a daycare and they did not do anything illegal. I would just like to point that out here. It's not like they tried to force feed me or anything, like nothing like that. Um, What it was was simply a phrase that you would say to any child. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was always a very slow eater. 
when I was younger. And so, you know, from what we can figure out, one of the caretakers probably said something along the lines of, hurry up and eat it so that it's all gone and then you can go and play, right? That's something you would say to a million different kids. But for whatever reason, my mind on that particular day fixated on the line it will be all gone forever. Yeah. Um, that night I went home and I guess I had been refusing to eat dinner mm-hmm. and on my mom's pushing and pushing and pushing yeah. to try and get me to eat anything. I had said, well, I'm scared because it's going to be all gone. Yeah. And mom did the whole, you know, oh, no, Abby, it's okay. We'll yeah. have more, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But I just, I wasn't having any of it. Yeah. So she was like, you know what, um, She'll eat when she gets hungry. You know, there is that mentality with kids where it's like, when they get hungry, they They will will eat. Yeah. Especially because I was a notoriously picky eater as well. So mom's going, she's probably just finding excuses not to eat dinner. Like, picky kid, whatever. Um, So things continued as, I guess, normal, except now um, the ladies at the daycare were sending me home at the end of the day, and I was refusing to eat at daycare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my mom obviously knew there was something wrong because I wasn't eating breakfast, I refuse to eat lunch. Mm-hmm. I refuse to eat dinner. And then, so mom is getting worried and all yeah. of her friends, all of her parenting friends are going, no, no, she's just being stubborn. Like she will eat, you know, when she gets hungry, she has yeah. to be close to that point already. Yeah. Like she hasn't eaten for a day and a half. Yeah. Like she will eat. Yeah. And I wasn't and I wasn't and mm-hmm. I wasn't. And mom was watching me and she was like, I need to do something. So she started pushing all sorts of foods in front of me. Mm-hmm. Everything you can think of. Um, she was going, okay, you want pasta? I'll cook you pasta. Okay, you want a grilled cheese? I'll make you grilled cheese. Okay, you want candy at this point? Yeah. I will give you candy yeah, at this anything. point. I would not touch anything mm-hmm. because I had this obsession with it being gone forever. Mm-hmm. And I had told mom at one point, I guess, um, I said, well, if it's all gone, nobody else can have any. And that's not fair. Mm-hmm. So it was very quickly in my little mind becoming something so much more than it was. It started off as a simple phrase of, oh, eat it so you can go and play. Yeah. And all of a sudden it turned into everyone in the world is going to starve. Mm-hmm. So I can't eat because I want other people to be able to eat. Yeah. I can't eat yeah. this. Otherwise, yeah. other people can't. Yeah. Like it became so much bigger than it ever had to mm-hmm. be. And so I started obviously getting emaciated very quickly at mm-hmm. this point. Um, at that point, I had still been drinking fluids and everything. Yeah. So everyone was like, you know what? Um, take her to a doctor at this yeah. point. But she's still drinking. Give her, you know, even the doctor was like, give her chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Give her all of this stuff. And, you know, um, she will start eating yeah. at some point. She just yeah. needs to work through whatever this is. Yeah. Um, except very quickly, I stopped being able to do that too. Mm-hmm. And from my recollection, from what little I can remember from this time, um, I forgot how to swallow. Yeah. It was that bad. I felt like every time I put something in my mouth, I felt like I was choking on it or going to choke on it, and I could not swallow it. I would have to spit it out, Mm -hmm. even fluids at that point. Like, I felt like I was losing the ability for my body to remember how to do it. And when you're a kid, you can't, you don't figure that out. Exactly. And mom had been sent home by my pediatrician several times, and finally um, she took me to her doctor, Mm -hmm. who was not a pediatrician, And um, I guess he had said, okay, I'm going to go. We have a pediatrician on call today. We're going to go get her. And guess who was the pediatrician on call? And mom looked at her and said, I don't want you anywhere near my child. And so um, it started like this whole fight at the doctor's office. So mom took me out. And so she took me to the children's hospital instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It was bad enough, I suppose, that the pediatrician, who became my permanent pediatrician after this incident, I would like to say, um, it was bad enough that he looked at my mom, said, go get your car, 
drive over to the children's emergency hospital. I'm going to run her over there. He picked me up and ran me to the hospital while mom drove there because he was like, she needs attention now. Yeah. Um, fast forward a little bit, it ended up at the point that I know I mentioned this before Mm -hmm. that the doctors had essentially told my mom, um, you're going to want to start making funeral arrangements. Yeah. And I guess at some point I had scared the shit out of my mom because I had said something along the lines of, oh, it's okay if I need to die. That's okay. I'll be okay. I'll go to heaven. And I'm sure you can imagine that my mom is losing her mind. She's going, my daughter just, like my four-year-old just said she's fine with dying. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, So it was this whole thing. And I I didn't know this. Mom and I were actually talking about this the other day. And this is probably where my thing with needles comes Mm -hmm. from. Um, I guess at one point the doctors and the nurses had looked at my mom and had convinced her. Mom was holding vigil at my bedside, Mm -hmm. as I think any mother would do with a dying child. Yeah. And they told her, look, go get some coffee, go get something to eat, Mm -hmm. like go downstairs, take like a 10 minute break. We will put a nurse with her to watch her. Mm -hmm. And so mom agreed finally after much pushing and pushing and pushing. So mom took all of 10 minutes to go downstairs, get a cup of coffee. She came back and I was hanging over the side of the bed. I had ripped out my IV and I was stuck on like the little railing of the bed, mm-hmm. like by my hospital gown. Mm-hmm. And she was horrified. She went off four ways to Friday on the nurses. She was yeah, like, what happened? Turned out the nurse had left me right after mom had left. And I had needed to get up to go pee. Oh, and I tried to do it by myself God. while still being attached to the IVs and yeah. everything. And I got stuck. <laughs> there was blood everywhere from where oh, the IV bet. had ripped out and everything else. Like it looked like, mom was like, it looked like a crime scene. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's horrifying to see your four-year-old yeah. child dangling from the side of the bed, bleeding yeah. everywhere. Oh like, my God. That's, and she's like, Abby, I was there for days. And like, I walked away for 10 yeah. minutes and came back to that. And I was like, oh, sorry, mom. But it, it was horrible. Yeah. And um, the only thing that turned me around, I had always had this obsession with animals. Mm-hmm. My mom had bought a little stuffed dog from the toy shop downstairs. Yeah. And just go figure, it was a Thai beanie baby with the name of Rescue. Yeah. Aww. Go figure. Very cute. <laughs> um, she had brought him upstairs, and she had told this little four-year-old me this little sad story. And she was like, well, see, he doesn't have a mouse, so he can't eat. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I feel very bad for him. Yeah. I feel very sad. Yeah. And mom had said, well, you know, Abby, I've got these two donuts here. Do you think you could put some in your mouth and tell him how it tastes? Because I'm sure he would love to know because he can't eat it. Yeah. He can't taste it. So I had agreed to it. Yeah. And it was the tiniest little bit. And I had put it in my mouth. And it, it was small enough yeah. that it basically just dissolved. Yeah. But mom said, okay, how was it? And I guess I had said, oh, it was pretty good. And so she kept feeding me these tiny pieces. I got through less than a quarter of the donut, Mm -hmm. but everyone was shocked because everyone was like, she put something in her mouth and didn't choke or spit it out. And just over time, like I started getting like eating, being able to drink and everything. It was a very slow process having to learn how to swallow again. Having to learn that I was not going to choke on everything that I put in my mouth was very, very difficult. Um... So, obviously, they sent me home, um, did not get the therapy I probably needed. Um, But this is kind of what started the downslide into my continuing eating disorders. Mm -hmm. But we're going to take a quick break here before we get into... Adulthood? Teenagehood, adulthood. We'll get there after a break. So, see you in a bit. 
Hello, welcome back to Gay by Gay. Oh, that first part was already a lot to handle, yeah. and the second part's harder for me. Abby's nervous, lend her your strength. Um, I've told that beginning story several times to several people. The second part is what I struggle with here. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, after coming home from the hospital, it set this sort of precedence where my parents were just happy to see me eat anything yeah. at all. Yeah. It obviously led to some very bad eating habits, mm-hmm. and I became a... I wouldn't say I was ever a fat kid, mm-hmm. but I became the chubby kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was fine with that, I think, for most of the way through elementary. Yeah. I think it's when I hit middle school. Yeah, where all that body image and puberty and... Uh, yep, and that really started to screw me up. Yeah. Um, it was the teasing in the girls' locker room. It was seeing other... Especially because I was a late developer at mm-hmm. that point. Um, I had no boobs, no butt, no nothing. Yeah. And all of the... Especially for me being asexual to some extent. Like, all these other girls were starting to say things and do things and I had no urge to act that way and they were teasing me because of how I looked. Yeah. You know, I had really bad acne. I was overweight. Yeah. It, it was an absolute nightmare and mm-hmm. I think that that really led to me going downhill into my later eating disorders that I still struggle with now. Do you remember the first time that that kind of issue kind of rehashed in your eating habits? Um, I, I would absolutely say I... Didn't like the way I looked, but I was fairly accepting of it all the way even through um, even through most of high school. Mm-hmm. I, I do remember that the most popular girl in school loved to bully me. Yeah. And I remember bringing her Christmas presents and everything else to yeah. try and just make her stop, stop try yeah. to show that I wanted to be her friend, and yeah. it never worked. Like Because when you're in high school, if you can't tell a teacher about the bullying and you can't no. tell your parents about the bullying. No. It's, it's just like, what do you do? Especially at that point, because I think I had started turning to food for comfort at yeah. that point, which was only making the situation worse, yeah. right? Um, I had made some new friends in high school. CZ was one of them. Yeah. Um, if I said this, uh, how do I phrase this? Most of my friends all the way through middle school and everything else were all very petite, very short, very slender. Mm-hmm. So here I was, slightly overweight, taller, you know, I felt like I didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And then I had this huge falling out with all of my friends, like, a few months after my dad had passed away. It all became too much. But then I became friends with CZ, who I'm still friends with to this day. Mm-hmm. But CZ looked a bit more like me. Um, she was a little bigger built, um, thicker bones and everything, right? Um, she was taller like me. We were almost the exact yeah. same height. And I was like, Maybe I just made friends with people who didn't look like me. So, of course, I felt insecure because I'm not one of them. I will never be petite. I will never be skinny. I will never be any of those things. So, maybe I just need to make friends with people who are more like me. Oh, that kind of reminds me. Do you remember the – probably, like, the only moments I have trouble with body image at, like, dance is when I'm so much older than everyone and I'm comparing myself to skinny 10-year-olds who don't have boobs or butts or anything. Yeah, and you're just like, why am I I not like that? Why don't I look like that? Yeah. (laughs) That's, like, the same thing. And it's really hard. It's something that's really hard to deal with. Um, But unfortunately, being friends with CZ led to me being more comfortable and I was just, you know, screw it, this is just the way I am. At that point, I was not interested in self-betterment of any kind Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the unhealthy habits. You know what I mean? All the unhealthy habits. And then I started getting into dance. Yeah. And I'm sure you can imagine that, unfortunately, as much as I love dance and have a passion for it, 
this is where things started to go downhill again oh, yeah, with body image. For sure. Um, being faced with all of these girls who were super pretty and super tall mm-hmm. and super lean because they danced outside of the high school dance classes yeah. as well. I had a huge passion for dance yeah. in high school. Obviously, I became a dance studio owner, for God's sakes. Um, but at the time, it was very difficult because I had a huge passion for it and everything else. But there was this very clicky mentality that I refused to take part in in my studio. Mm-hmm. And it, it has very much changed the way I run my classes and my business. But it was very much that sort of, oh, she doesn't look like a dancer, move her to the back. Yeah. Even though um, I wouldn't say I had better technique or flexibility because, no, that wasn't the yeah. case. I was always the more you know, behind the curtain sort of pe- person, yeah. even though I love performing on stage, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but my flexibility and technique were never better than any of the other girls. But I feel like at school, that's not what it's about. No, it's but... It's about exposure for your parents to watch you and see you do it. But I was very much one of those kids, even though I had probably, arguably, better facials, mm-hmm. because I've always been an overactor. Yeah. I think that's obvious. Yeah. Um, better facials and more rhythm and timing, because music is innate to me. Mm-hmm. That's just... Me. Yeah. I love music. But um, I was still pushed to the back. Mm-hmm. And it was made very clear that um, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have good things about you. But if you don't look the right way, yeah. you'll be pushed to the back. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just, I kept telling myself, oh, no, it's just because you're tall. It's yeah. just because you're tall. That's yeah. why you're in the back. Yeah. And um, I guess at one point, it was right after my graduation. And I had seen a picture of me in my grad dress and I remember, it, it's so horrifying because I, if I ever see that picture, it makes me so irrationally angry mm-hmm. because the only thing I can think is pig and lipstick. Oh. And so you can imagine why this sets me off yeah. so hard. Yeah. That was the first time I ever decided to weigh myself and mm-hmm. calculate my, what should be my average weight. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that was the first time that I realized yeah, I'm a little bit overweight. Yeah. It's not just, oh, you need to tone up a little bit. No, I, I was a little overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for my height, my upper range is about 150-ish. Yeah. Um, I was about 170. Mm-hmm. Being 20 pounds overweight, no, I was not obese or anything yeah. like that. But that kind of started to bother me, right? Yeah. And so at that point, I kind of knew that the average woman every day ate 2,000 calories. So I decided to start my first ever food diary mm-hmm. to see how much I was eating. Mm-hmm. Imagine my shock when I found out that within a few hours, I had already eaten 2,000 calories and was on track to eat 4,000 by the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, That terrified me. So that was, believe it or not, I know a lot of girls start dieting when they're in middle school and high school. My first experience with dieting was actually after I graduated high school. That's actually so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. It was after I graduated high school. It was after that stupid grad photo. And it was after I had decided like an idiot to try weighing myself for the first time. Whoops. Um, I look back on that now and there's part of me that says I'm healthier now because I've learned a lot throughout this process, mm-hmm. but there is also a part of me that very much regrets it because I know that it has led to everything that I struggle yeah. with today. Yeah. It, cause it wasn't yeah. fueled out of a, I would like to be healthier mindset. No, it was fueled out of a, I hate the way I look mm-hmm. and just after doing it so close together, going photo, pig and lipstick, yeah. I am overweight. Yeah. Just absolutely broke me to the point that it was like instead of it being oh yeah that's a little too big maybe I should do this for health reasons Mm -hmm. it immediately became an aesthetic thing yeah immediately and that was the trigger was my aesthetic not health and that's the wrong way to go about weight loss completely yes so that led to me 
starting to measure all of my food. Um, and I dropped a fair amount of weight fairly quickly. And to this day, if any, if a stranger were to ask me, I would immediately just kind of say, oh, it was due to dancing. I was teaching more yeah. and I was dancing more and yeah. it just naturally helped me get fit. Yeah. That's only part of the truth. Um, I had dropped down to, I think, a 1,500 calorie diet at mm -hmm. that point. And I saw great results fairly fast. Mm -hmm. But I very quickly became addicted to losing two pounds a week. Yeah. And, you know, when I started to plateau a little bit, it began the whole cycle of, well, I need to restrict more. Yeah. Well, I need to restrict well, more. Well, also, I need to restrict more. You're also an extremely competitive person. I am. So that doesn't surprise me. If I lost more weight one week, if I didn't lose as much the next week, it was, well, I'm not trying hard enough. I need to lose more weight. Yeah. Um, and so I have, and just being completely honest, I don't think there has been a point since then that I have had healthy eating habits. Mm -hmm. Um, almost consistently, I am on a 1,200 calorie deficit or diet, yeah. like 800 calorie deficit a day, mm -hmm. and that has been my life since I graduated. And I graduated six years ago, yeah. seven years ago at yeah. this point. I graduated in 2014. Is 2021? So seven years. Yeah. I can, I can math. I, I can, can I math? Yes, I can math. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got very confused for a second there. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I have. And, you know, there, there have been times that obviously my diet has gone off or whatever. But, you know, there, there was a while there where I sat at about 155. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? It's fine. And then I remember checking my weight one day and I dropped to 150. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I can go farther. Mm -hmm. And then I dropped to 145. And I was like, oh, my God, that's great. And so I kept going. And that's when I started getting into running for the yeah. first time. Um, it started as just, I wanted to get out of my house. It was over the summer mm -hmm. while we weren't doing dance classes yeah. and I just needed to get out of my apartment. Yeah. Um, and then I had gotten a scale for myself. I don't know what urged <laughs> me to do it, but I purchased myself like yeah. a body weight scale and it was one of the worst things I could have done. Yeah. Um, because that summer I weighed in at 135 pounds. Yeah. Um, that has been haunting me for a year and a half now. Yeah. Because I cannot get back to 135 pounds. It haunts me to this day. Don't. <laughs> but this is what I mean. Because I had started running and everything yeah. else. And that was probably one of the most positive times in my life. Things were going well with the company. I was finally feeling good about my yeah, body. COVID. More people were paying attention to me. Just because all throughout high school and middle school, I was never the girl who had a boyfriend this week and mm -hmm. a boyfriend that week. I never even had anyone ask me out. Yeah. Because I was that awkward, shy, kind of overweight, acne-ridden, you know, kid. And I'll be really honest, I was an ugly duckling in middle school and high school. I really was. Looking at those and photos, I was an ugly duckling. It's not like you either had crushes on many people either. No, and that made it yeah. even harder, right? Yeah. Um, so once I got out of that, I, I would say I was a bit of a late bloomer. Not that my curves ever came in because they <laughs> didn't. Still don't have them. But um, I grew into my own sort of beauty in a way yeah. as I got older. So people that used to tease me in high school were suddenly approaching me yeah. saying, yeah, like you're really pretty now. Yeah. You're really beautiful now. Yeah. So I started getting more attention and my brain related that to the weight loss yeah. and everything else. And I was like, that's the cause of it. And uh, it has been an obsession for me ever since. And I know um, even recently lockdown has been one of the worst things because yeah. gyms have closed. Yeah. I could not continue my regular running and workout routine. Um, a lot more sedentary time because we're not dancing as mm -hmm. much. Um, so I, 
you know, everyone jokes about the COVID-15, but for people with an eating disorder, it's not a joke. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> this horrifies me to say, um, it was probably just a bad day. I, I was close to my menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, stupid, 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 decided to weigh myself. And if you're a girl, you know you never weigh close to your menstrual cycle because (laughs) your body is holding on to fluids and extra tissues and everything else. Imagine my horror when I weighed in at 152 pounds. I had gotten down to 135 Mm -hmm. and I weighed in at 152. Uh, That has broken me for the last, I think that was um, a week and a half ago that Mm -hmm. that happened. I have been a crackpot ever since. It has been terrible. I'm not going to lie. I am right in the middle of a restriction phase of my ED. It's very, very bad right now. I'm sure you've noticed I've been wearing a lot of sweaters and everything because I can't stand to look at myself right now. Um, I know already I weighed myself yesterday, and I'm already down to um, about 147. Mm -hmm. But I know me... I will not be happy until I reach under 140 again. It will be an obsession until then. And that horrifies me. It's a huge issue and I hate it. And I wish I could change it. And I know that I need therapy. It's very clear that I need therapy. Everyone needs therapy. Everyone needs therapy. therapy. But it, it is very difficult to admit that I am nearly 25 years old and I am still struggling with eating disorders like this is something that I preach to my students constantly I have students who come in and I help them work through their eating Mm -hmm. disorders admitting to myself and to other people that yeah I help others through their eating disorders but I can't deal with mine that's horrifying to me the fact that I struggle with this it's such a it's such a source of shame for me and it really shouldn't be but it is It, it, it shouldn't be because like there is no correlation between your weight and your worth as a person. And yet for people with an eat, like for people with an eating disorder, it's all you can focus yeah. on. If you are skinnier, you are a better person somehow, you are more productive somehow, you are just everything is better. Yeah. But if you gain weight, you're shitty, you're awful, you're yeah. terrible. How could you? You are worthless. Yeah. You don't work hard enough. You're lazy. Like mm-hmm. it's all of these things and it is such an obsession. And again, you know, as much as you talk about the addict brain, I think in a weird way, having an eating disorder it's, is like having like an addicted brain. Thing, yeah. I am addicted to, I wouldn't say weight loss. I am addicted to the way I feel mm-hmm. when I feel quote unquote skinny. Yeah. And it is such a huge problem. Yeah. And I absolutely hate it. And, you know, I would absolutely say to anyone, no matter what side you focus on, because I know there are people who suffer with binge eating mm-hmm. disorders. I know that there are people who suffer with anorexia. Like, there are so many things in the ED world. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Get help. I know recently, um, one of the hardest things I had to do, it's the reason my mom and I, a couple weeks ago, were starting to talk about my history because I knew that I needed to talk to somebody about my eating disorder yeah. because I, I could feel it coming back. Yeah. And um, I after I weighed in at that, like, 152 point, I had a breakdown, and I was like, I can't keep this to myself because I know what I'm about yeah. to do. I need to tell someone. Yeah. And so I chose to finally tell my mom, which was one of the hardest things I've ever had yeah. to do. Because she, she's one of the people that worries about you the most. She does. She has always been afraid. Even when I started losing weight, she has always been that type of person. Just because she saw me nearly yeah. die of anorexia, yeah. for her, this is horrifying. Yeah. And right now, I as much as I love her, she still sometimes does things that doesn't help because yeah. she pushes me to eat yeah. more. 
You know what I mean? Where she's like, Abby, you're not eating enough. Yeah. And I know that she's right. But you can't, you're stubborn. But with the ED, it makes things so hard because, yeah. for example, um, th- this is how bad things can get when you have an ED. Um, she had suggested making something that had cheese in it, mm-hmm. and I had a full mental breakdown, oh like sitting on the floor crying yeah. because I was scared of eating cheese. Mm-hmm. Remember the other day yeah. when you asked me, oh, Abby, do you not like cheese? And I had to hem and haw oh, about it. Oh, sorry. It's, <laughs> no, but it's one of those things. Like, it's so freaking stupid yeah. that I sit there and have a breakdown about what I am or am not allowed to eat that I have safe foods. For example, my mom wants to have a family dinner now that we're allowed to have two people over. It's just me and my sister. I am having a mental breakdown because I know that she's going to be making, like, potatoes and meat and everything yeah. else. And I'm just sitting here going, I don't even want to go because yeah. I don't want to eat it. Yeah. And that's a problem. That is a problem. It's a major problem. So, um, and just like any sort of other addiction, like alcoholism or anything, it it is something that I acknowledge that I will have to deal with for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. I look back and I wonder if I had gotten therapy when I was a kid, if maybe I wouldn't have dealt with this as yeah. much. But I think I attribute a lot of it not to that childhood incident, but to bullying mm-hmm. in high school. And it, it was just the timing for everything worked out so that it became an obsession yeah. for me. And, you know, there are times that I go through fits and starts where I'm able to focus on it from a more health perspective. Mm -hmm. But with COVID and lockdown, it has absolutely become a self-worth perspective. And that is so much worse. When you have nothing to focus on, those, like, intrusive thoughts just, like, get you. Well, there's nothing to think about. You know, Mm -hmm. you're sitting there and, you know, because I'm restricting my body, it's just constantly like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm Mm -hmm. hungry, but I'm refusing to feed it. And then I'm feeling guilty because if, like, I crack and I eat something that I feel so guilty, but I can't work it off because gyms are closed and it's too cold to run outside. And so I start having breakdowns on the daily several times a day because I I feel like I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just left to sit there and think about it. And I hate it. It's awful it's so bad Mm -hmm. um I would absolutely say that if you're someone who goes through it talk to somebody because being able to even just open up to my mom about it has been a huge help yeah because you know the other day I was able to look at her and say mom this is what I'm going through and this is what I'm feeling and just sitting there instead of doing it myself and letting my brain run in circles actually being able to talk to somebody and have her look at me and Mm -hmm. say I can acknowledge the way you're feeling but look at what you've eaten today. Look at the reality. Look at, you know, the health perspective, Abby. You know the health perspective. Mm -hmm. What are you actually doing to yourself? And having someone break the cycle of thought is so important. It really is one of the biggest things you can do is have somebody. Things like that thrive off of secrets and hiding. And it, it does. I know when I am hitting a very low point because I will start keeping everything a secret. Mm -hmm. And Believe me, I have done every unhealthy thing under the sun, including intermittent fasting, where there are days that I will fast for 20 hours a day. And that's not, you know, 10 hours here and 10 hours there. No, it is 20 straight hours of not eating. And it, it can be very dangerous for me because there are days that I have challenged myself to go farther and farther. Oh, I reached 18 hours of not eating today. What if I reach 19 hours tomorrow? What if I reach 20 hours? There was a day that I purposely pushed myself over 24 hours I was feeling sick. I was feeling lightheaded. But it was this obsession with watching that stupid fasting app going, I'm so close to 24. Yeah. Just hold out. Just hold. And it, it, it wasn't even 24 originally. It was hold out to 20. And then it was yeah. like I I was doing something else and I hadn't paid attention. And it was at like 20 hours and 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, I could push to 21. Mm-hmm. And then I pushed to 21. And I was like, mm, 
I'm, I, it's not that bad. You know, I'm sitting and everything else is not that. I wonder if I could push to 22. And then it was 22 and a half. And then I wonder if I could go the full 24. And it's so, that's that dangerous yeah. slope. And it's the same, as I said, as alcoholism where it's like just one. Mm-hmm. When you have an eating disorder, it's even harder because it's not like, oh, I can cut it out and don't let yourself have it. Yeah. The obsession is around exercise. The obsession is around weight. The obsession is around food. You can't cut food out of the equation, but food leads to the urge to exercise and food leads to the urge to weigh yourself and everything else. And it's so toxic. Yeah. But how do you get out of it? You have to eat every day. Yeah. It's like, God. It's constant. It's constant and I hate it. Yeah. If I could go without eating and not die, I feel like that would be preferable to having to eat little bits. I'm a cold turkey person. I find it easier to just stop rather than little bits. I don't do little bits. I'm all or nothing. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Yeah. And I hate it. And being honest right here, right now, is very hard for me because there's this part of me that's, like, I'm sitting here in my own head and I'm like, what if I tell Aaliyah that the, like, the audio was just corrupted or something and I don't have to post it? Like, that's what's going through my head. If you do that, I'm going to be mad at you. That's the eating disorder, though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I know that, what that That's means. the trying to hide. Yeah. And, you know, especially going on a public platform, it's like, my eating disorder is like, what are you doing? You can't tell anyone about me. And I'm just like, shut up. That, I'm in control here. Talking about it, though, sometimes is just really the first step. It is. It very much is. And, you know, I have been on a wait list to get therapy for quite some time but unfortunately because I am a little bit older and because of COVID I am not seen as an urgent patient although mom has convinced me at this point to call them and say um my ED is getting worse I think this is turning into an urgent case yeah I have not worked up the gumption to actually call and tell them yet my ED is still help like causing me to kind of resist that Mm -hmm. but I I'm slowly making my way towards being like I, I need help now yeah. before it gets worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my history of eating disorders and my current brain with my current eating disorder. And do you know how long it even took me to com- like to admit to myself that that's what it was? I know. Like, I'm sure you've known about it <laughs> I for know. years. But admitting to myself where it wasn't just, oh, no, I just, you know, I, I'm one of those cycle dieters, you know, on again, off again, <laughs> dieting. To admit to myself, no, Can your I- eating is extremely disordered. And it's not even, oh, you have disordered eating, because that's what I convinced myself for yeah. the last time. I was like, I don't have an eating disorder. I just have disordered eating. Mm-hmm. To look at myself and say, no, no you yeah. have an eating disorder. You know, when you can't even have someone suggest a food to you without having, like, a crying fit. Mm-hmm. No, you have an eating can, disorder. Can I tell you something? When I first kind of got it hinted at me that there was something more. Hmm. So one day, a couple of years ago, I was oh, sitting. Oh, that goes far back. I was, I was sitting, and I had a banana in my hand. And I had a spoon, and I had a jar of peanut butter. And I kept spooning peanut butter onto my banana and taking bites. And then you looked at me, and you go, do you even know how many calories is in that? And I ah! looked I looked up at you, and at that moment, I go, this isn't about me. Hmm. There's a problem here. <laughs> Not going to lie. I, I know exactly what that is. Um, peanut butter is one of my trigger I know. foods. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I start eating peanut butter, um, I start to spiral very mm-hmm. hard. I would never say that I've binged, but I will eat enough of it until the point that I feel guilty, and then it yeah. starts me on a downward yeah. spiral. Peanut butter is absolutely not a safe food for me. Mm-hmm. It scares me a lot, yeah. as well as cheese or any of that yeah. other sort of stuff. So... Yeah, uh, yeah, I can see me doing that. Yeah. Even though I don't remember it, I can easily I see that. me doing I remember, that. I remember just, like, being like, hmm, 
That, that has this, nothing to do with this me. This isn't about me. <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. But I'm so proud of you for taking the first steps to get help. I'm working on it. And it's not easy for someone who's as stubborn and as proud as I am yeah. to admit that I need help. Yeah. It, it's a process. I'm working through it. We're trying yes. here. That's the best part. If you're trying, then it's something, you know? It is. But yeah, um, again, if any of you out there feel like you need to talk to somebody, at this point, I have been through the gambit. I have been overweight. I have been underweight. I have been anorexic. I have been obsessive and everything else. Believe me, you could talk to me about pretty much any facet of ED, and I will probably have some realm of knowledge about how to help. Again, I've worked with my dancers Mm -hmm. who have had eating disorders and helped coach them through it. So the fact that I can't deal with mine is just a stick in my ass. I hate it. It's so annoying. Well, they needed help from you, so it's not wrong for you to need help from someone else. Yeah, but I hate it. (sighs) You can hate it all you want. doesn't matter. (sighs) At least I'm acknowledging that I need help. Yes, that's the best part. Snaps for Abby. Snaps for Abby. But that is all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Again, if you need help, reach out to somebody. It is one of the best things that I have ever done, as hard as it is. Um, as I said, there are times that I have crying fits on the floor and having someone look at you and say, it's going to be okay is one of the best things in the world because you're not alone anymore. And an eating disorder thrives off of you being isolated and alone. Don't be that person. Yeah. Talk to somebody, find help. Yeah. I don't care who it is. You know what I mean? Uh, I would recommend... Uh, from my experiments, experiments, no experiments, <laughs> excuse me, with my experience who have friends who have eating disorders. Um, if you wanted to have a friend who also has an eating disorder, make sure it's someone who doesn't have it quite active anymore, because I've seen a lot of friends spiral because of competition against each other. Drowning people cannot save drowning people. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're already feeling overwhelmed and like you're going to go under, having another person clinging to you, also going through the same thing, you're both just going to drown faster. Mm-hmm. You have to find someone who is at a stable enough point to help lift you up, not just go down to yeah. the bottom of the ocean together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So absolutely find a stable person. Yeah. And I would say if you can find a person who does not have an eating mm-hmm. disorder, that, that would be, be better. even better because then you're not going to trigger them yeah. by accident. Then there's no guilt yeah. behind it and everything else. But talk to somebody. Yes. It is one of the best things you could do. Yeah. But thank you very much for listening. I know this was a bit of a heavy episode. We have one more to go Yay! in our uh, trigger warning week. <laughs> you know, because if you're going to air out your dirty laundry, you might as well do it all at once. Oh, whole week. A whole week. We a whole week. week. A whole week it. of just don't listen to us this week, folks. Just don't. <laughs> but that's all for yes. today. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk at you in the next episode. Yes, take it game by game, guys. Bye. <laughs>